0: What a
1: game! El Clásico delivers. Real Madrid beats Barcelona 2-1. We got Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce to discuss the entire game, plus Premier League action, including Leeds United beating Man City, Liverpool beating Aston Villa, and Chelsea beating Crystal Palace. Christian Pulisic getting a few goals right there. Que Lasso, El Clásico weekend recap begins right now. Wow. Wow. That's all I have to say. Wow. And exhale everybody. Oh my goodness. What a game 2-1 to Real Madrid against Barcelona in El Clásico. I have Heath Pierce here. I have Jimmy Conrad here. Jimmy, let's begin with you. How are you after what we just witnessed?
2: Well, I'm bowing down to your greatness because you predicted on our preview that Real Madrid were going to win 2 1. I was leaning a little bit more towards Barcelona wearing a Madrid kit, if you guys remember. But in honor of you, I wrote on the sign behind me, if you guys can see it, I love the El (laughs) Clásico. I know that's I know that triggers you, so I had to do it.
1: Uh, I'm like, I'm like flinching that my <laughs> eyes like twitching right now. <laughs> nah, man. Listen, you, my friend, can do whatever you want. But also, I, I really like that you brought up that yes, I predicted Real Madrid to one and with Benzema scoring. Although, although I feel that this is my luck running out forever, Heath Pierce. This is exactly what I thought. Talk to me about this game. What I mean, what emotions are you going through right now? That was insane.
3: Yeah, before before I give you on the game, it is good to see Jimmy representing Benzema with the old hand brace. Uh, <laughs> I saw him, I saw him show it, so I knew who he was going for in this game. Uh, and and you guys are both standing with Benzema, but man, what what a game! The intensity, the it, it's always nice when you when you feel when you do some research on a game. And I listened to your guys's preview, and it was spot on when that's how it plays out, right? You always go with a little bit, especially this time of year, you go with, a, you kind of go with a little bit of gut instinct, some research and whatever, and say, hey, this is how it's going to play out. This team's going to sit back. This team's going to have possession. And you know, those are the sort of the characteristics of a Real Madrid and a Barcelona. But it played out exactly how you would hope. The, the goals, the drama, the intensity. It had that El Clasico of like, we hate each other in it. And um, yeah, and then you add the rain to it where... Now there's just like a, a little bit more to have to overcome, you know uh, and and the cold right when I right when I jumped w- we jumped on here, they were doing a post game interview and they were talking about how cold and wet it was that like they were shaking a little bit of of, of that type of intensity in that type of environment. So yeah, an, an incredible. Yeah, an incredible match and, and one that, like, you know, we now get to go and tell everybody about it who missed it and make them feel really, really bad. Or they just listen to this and feel really, really good and pretend they watched it. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: It's a win-win. Jimmy, let's break down first the first half. Let's just talk about the first half for a second, right? It began, obviously, at 200 miles an hour, and it just didn't slow down. Real Madrid clearly were looking to press, et cetera. Kareem Benson on the 13th minute, Tony Cruz on the 28th. But talk to me about that first half, your, your impressions from that first 45.
2: Yeah, what I saw in the first 10 minutes, and this speaks to Heath's point a little bit, it was all over the place. You know, it was, there was no flow to the game at all. It was, is everybody trying to feel each other out? Where were they going to get space? How are these lineups going to work? What are the tactics for each team? But going at 200 miles an hour now, to to your point, Luis, where it was just, can somebody get control of the game? Can somebody put their foot on the ball and make something happen? And then after about 10, 15 minutes, it started to slow down, and that's when Madrid got their first goal. I tweeted out, that I think Barcelona's big issue is they went with three center backs. We talked before in the preview that maybe Frankie de Jong was going to slide back there, and that might have been the better option, all things considered. But he started higher up the field. They went with three center backs, and those guys got isolated. There was no protection really in front of them. So, as a former center back myself, and I know Heath can talk about this as well, they got isolated in these one v one situations. And when you're playing against players that are Faster than you, and you could probably all those guys could raise their hand and say yes. Fenicius Jr. is faster than I am, and Fede Valverde is very good running as well. And I thought that was a smart uh, start by or, or by Zidane to start him over Asensio, just because they knew they were going to try to have to stifle Jordi Alba, who who goes forward with so much so much reckless abandon. So some good moves there, but just with regard to Barcelona's back line, they didn't really know what they could do. There was no adequate pressure on the ball, so they can't hold a high line. And then if they drop off, they give Madrid way too much space to do whatever they want to do. And on the attacking side of the ball, they gave up two goals, by the way, by good, purposeful runs from Valverde and Vinicius Jr. And then and then on the attacking side, they kept going down the middle. If, if Listen, Militao and Nacho from Madrid are not as good as Varane and Sergio Ramos. That's very clear. So you have to expose them in some ways. But if you keep going right into where they're very good, where they don't have to move, where you don't have to make them make decisions, you're never going to get anything done. I don't care if you're Leo Messi or not. They can just stack six, seven guys in that area. But Barcelona, just out of ego, pride, stubbornness, I don't know, kept trying to go down the middle. The one time they had a good opportunity was when Messi found his best friend forever, Jordi Alba. It's like the only guy he looks to pass to, who bombs forward and and finally gets something going. There was one play. But then in the second half, they took out Sergino Dest, unfortunately, because... I have American pride there. And they put into a back four a little bit more. Jordi Alba's still bombing forward, still, so Still kind of a three, but a little bit more slanted to the left. And and sorry, I'm going on a rant right here. But they started to, to really take what Madrid were giving them, which was the space out wide. And then all of a sudden, everything started to get unlocked. And of course, Madrid dropped way off, and we're just inviting a ton of pressure. But But that first half, I was pretty disappointed that Barcelona couldn't solve that problem in the middle of the half and why they had to wait till halftime to solve it.
1: Yeah. And I really think, Heath, that uh, to Jimmy's point, that's exactly what Zidane wanted. Kind of like the weather, he wanted to disrupt Barca's flow. He wanted him to make it really uncomfortable, really annoying, not allow any space. And to Valverde... In the middle, to Jimmy's point, because Messi now drops deep now, a lot more now, so they want to make sure that they're covering as much. Benzema's opening goal, by the way. We need a a minute, a moment for that. (laughs) Just just the disrespect, the disrespect, Kareem (laughs) Benzema.
2: He would jump He jump in and just say how goddamn easy that was. I mean there's just no way those professional players should give up a goal. The center back Araho should should be able to see Benzema on the cross at the same time. I
1: know, I have two defenders, yeah. I just
2: I what I do want to say about Benzema
3: is what he did there is he did such a good job of keeping the defender close to him and delaying his run. Like the defender should have stepped into that space and seen, okay, I now if I go, then the guy next to me has to come over, right? So if I take off, he has to see that and he has to come tuck in next to me but he keeps the defender with him and he's pointing, pointing, pointing and like waiting as long as he can to give him himself. And he still goes past the near post really of where you really want to be for that tap in and, and, and gets a, gets an incredible touch on it. And it's a fantastic goal. But what I want to talk about with that, with regard to that goal on in the, in the first half, you can see how Barcelona, when they walk it up, right. And, and real Madrid, we're, we're just waiting for this, just sit back deeper and deeper. And as Jimmy mentioned, comes into the middle where we're comfortable. No problem. No problem. One turnover, You can see how Barcelona are typically good at winning that ball back, but it looked like Real Madrid had trained over and over again how to beat that press because it is a little bit of of a half press. And then Barcelona got broken down on two, three times, getting out of those tight spaces on a turnover, and then you see what happens. They counterattack. Valverde comes up, flying up, and then Jordi Alba, do I drop, do I go? Overcommits, and now it's a panic attack, and that's what leads to the goal. And you don't usually see that from from a Barcelona because usually they're... Overcommitment of numbers in the press allow uh, gives teams and most players in the world aren't good enough to solve that problem right of like okay we got the ball back we haven't had it for the last two minutes what do i do and that usually works and that's why we're seeing more and more often in the game these teams um high pressing in these environments because you don't have enough players on the field that can go okay the next pass is here now if it comes to me under pressure i gotta know what's next and next and next and next and eventually ball goes along you win it back um or they try to play through it, and you win it back higher up the field. So I think, in that regard, um, it was it was a little bit disappointing in the way that Barcelona were were reacting to those turnovers that 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 ultimately led to that goal. I do want to say, um, however, that it was really interesting that they went from. Uh, 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 Barcelona started with a three back line and then they switched to a four and then and then in the second half Real Madrid starts with a four switches back to a three and I thought that was a a really interesting sort of like game of chess between the managers to continue to not say you know you have the world's class player you have the world's best players on the field right now if you sit in a back four for the whole time eventually they're going to realize as Jimmy mentioned oh Hey, there's space out here. We should go out here and do stuff because we can do it. And then they continued to tinker with those formations to say, okay, now Marcelo, you're going to be in the back five. Let's plug those white areas, you know? Let's make it harder for them and make them solve the problem again. And I thought that was just a little bit of genius between uh from from Zidane. I thought to continue to, and that, that could have backfired. And I would say, why would they do that? But in, in this, in this context, uh keeping Barcelona guessing and forcing those brilliant players to have to be more brilliant to solve the problems and find the space and create something special I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah Um, the other thing by the way was I was intrigued by Griezmann not starting in the first place and obviously um Jimmy Coleman realized, well, maybe, you know, a World Cup champion might help us in this game. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, could you know, it's fine if you want to tinker and stuff. It, it just seemed a little bit weird. Obviously, uh, he got himself involved in the second half. How did you see that? What did you think, first of all, about Griezmann not starting in the first place and his eventual admission and then, you know, uh, helping move things for Barca, at least until the 60th minute when Minguesa scored that uh, that goal to bring it back?
2: Yeah, I mean, what I thought was... They were trying to create some numerical advantages, maybe a little bit deeper in midfield. De Jong got pushed up. You had Pedri, who I really do like, even though he made a couple mistakes trying to force things. And again, to what I had said earlier. He showed
1: his youth today. Apparently. He did, to but, a certain yeah.
2: extent. So a best,
3: to be honest with you. Yeah,
2: that's true. And, and I think these are, the, these are some of the younger players that, or maybe the players that we're referencing when we're saying they're not solving the problems quick enough, right? If you have a Xavi and Iniesta out there, I think that problem gets solved pretty quick and that's no disrespect to Dest and Pedri, but they're just not old enough yet. They haven't seen enough games, haven't seen enough situations, and they're only going to get better because of the situation. uh, Even if Dest got taken off at halftime, I just thought is more of a little bit of, can we, can we not allow Luka Modric and Tony Cruz to be these deep line playmakers and, and spring Vinicius Jr., spring Vettie Valverde or Lucas Vasquez on the right side and, and try to find Benzema in that pocket in front of the back three. The problem was, and what I said before, is they weren't really getting close to the ball. So, so what happens is if they do get close, and this is to Heath's point, yeah, they probably talked about, hey, listen, if, if they come with that immediate press, Vinicius, just stay high and wide. And if it's really tight, just go up over the top. So Matric has got two options, two options, and one of them should be clear as to what he should do. And these guys are so automatic and understanding situations and, and uh, when something develops and how things are playing out. And Vinicius is starting to hit this new level, man. That guy, his confidence continues to grow and grow. And I'm not going to say he's Mbappe-esque yet, but he's going to start clipping his heels, playing very similarly in a lot of different ways. So I'm very man, excited
1: about Vinicius. You- me and you are very much in the same, but I was going to tweet this and I didn't, I don't know why I, I was just too much in the game, but like, he's so close he on is. being world-class. He's just missing that final. There was that counter where he wanted to look at Benzema and he just
2: didn't. I work. almost said the same thing. Like yeah. in, it, Mbappe just, just makes the right decision there. You know, you it just continue came, to Mbappe drive right at Sagan yeah. and just yeah. pick a corner. Right. And if going to bitch at you later for it, whatever but but you got to get a shot on goal there you yeah. can't allow raho to get he's back into
1: that close he's he just close, that close he's close what he's a big win for him big yeah. for him.
2: one of the things on him that
3: i was trying to compare him and the style of play of osman dembele is the fact that i'm like i would actually like to see dembele playing on a real madrid team where again again you rarely get a team like barcelona that's going to walk it up to your 18. you know you saw uh, Mingueza or or Oraho or, or or Langlet, all of them were all drifting up, right, and that left him isolated one on one, two v one. That is a dream scenario for a Pacey player, right? But Dembele, in in a flowed system, he finds it. I, I I was watching him and just found him himself in so many situations where he doesn't know. Do I do I run straight towards the the, the mm-hmm. touchline? Do I cut inside? He's not like you. You could see how in a wide open field in the counterattack, go right. He's going to take off. And, and then when there's this control where it's this risk to reward and I've got this guy messy on my team and do I turn, uh, I might lose the ball here. I might turn over. It just seems this hesitation that doesn't really fit with in the same way that Vinicius Jr. who You know, and I'm, we're giving him more credit for a, a year, which is only really like his form has been the last couple of months or, or so, um, that wide open field where it's like, okay, there, I got a runway over the top. I'm going to be that guy that can all the time, because as Benzema with, with, um, with Vinicius was dropping deeper and deeper to cover and sort of be that sort of first line of defense deeper in their in their in their half. That was allowing uh Vinicius to sort of sneak up because like I said, those three defenders were were slowly being that sort of the, the the swing guy in possession and that was allowing them to like expose themselves a little bit more, a little bit more. And the more patient that Real Madrid were, the more that they were able to go, okay, one pass, two passes and boom, gone.
1: Over well, the top. it's why Tony Cruz won the free kick. I mean, why Vinicius Jr. won the free kick for Tony Cruz to score it. I feel Dembele is very sort of creative in his thinking, tries to like almost switch play. Sometimes Vinicius Jr., It's funny, he's very direct until the very last moment when he hesitates. But his first initial movement, which won the free kick for Tony Cruz, was really good. I wanna talk about one player specifically because two defenders here. I thought Mendy was amazing. I thought Mendy, obviously nobody has a perfect game, but he did then and then some, I think, to cover as much Jimmy. I I thought he had a good game.
2: Yeah, I thought he was very good. I thought that you're not thinking about Marcelo anymore. No, Uh, You know, for, for many, many years, obviously Marcelo was the guy in that spot and he's become a very big defensive liability at this point. But, but I think people are starting to move on and really trust Mendy both from a coaching perspective, teammate perspective, and a fan perspective that he can go out there and do the job and you have to prove it. And and the way you earn that respect is by showing up in big games. And and to your point, I think he showed up in El Clasico. He's been doing it in the champions league as well when he, when he's there, uh, and, and, yeah, he's quietly putting together a very solid season and something to build off of. I do want to give a shout out because I do give him a lot of trouble here on the podcast and other platforms that I speak about. Lucas Vasquez, you know, I thought he was
1: very You're good so today. mean on him. Yeah, well, I just,
2: <laughs> I, I just continue to laugh at Madrid for letting like uh, Hakimi go to Inter Milan when they need that spot, you know, or Sergio Reguillon when right. he left. The-
1: but it's not Vasquez's fault, hey, right? No, it's
2: not his fault. It's not his fault. But hey, it's like, Luke- go ahead. No, no, mine, mine was a side topic. So finish
3: your thought, and then I'll, I, I have. No, I, hot just, tip. I just, I just
2: want to give a shout out to Vasquez. I thought he was very good today, and I thought his, his relationship with Valverde was excellent. Valverde didn't look sharp. Obviously, he's been out for a while, so he didn't look game fit. But his, his initial movement to set up Jordy Alba to bite. That led ended up lead, leading to the first goal, which you know Vasquez is bombing forward. There was a nice interplay and understanding and rapport between the two that I thought that Barcelona didn't solve in the first half. Second half, I thought they did a little bit better of solving that. And at that point, Madrid dropped everybody off, and were hoping for the best with that two-zero lead. And they almost give it away, by the way. It was almost a two-two draw, but uh, yeah, they did enough. And so, so that's what I wanted to say. Give a shout out to Lucas. Vastiga. Yeah, a
1: crossbar in the last second as well. Crossbar yeah, it yeah, hit yeah. the oh, just crazy. Go ahead, Heath.
2: Uh, Luis, here's my
3: hot take on Vasquez. Okay. (laughs) You and I were at a, at a thing uh, in New York when Real Madrid came to town, Tony Cruz, no problem. He was nice to me. We were chatting. I played with his brother. We caught up on what his brother's up to. He plays for, I don't know who he plays for now, but at the time he was playing for union, Berlin. Um, and and Lucas Vasquez was not very nice that day. And therefore, I don't think I'm ever going to say something <laughs> nice, at least not to me. Maybe, maybe, you know, whatever. No, you I don't You know. know what's really
1: funny, Heath, that the other way around happened to me that day. Lucas Vasquez and me were like, you know, best friends chatting along and stuff with Asensio. Tony Cruz, he was so like mean to me. I was like, bro, come on now. It's because he was with Gareth Bale and yeah. Gareth Bale uh, can make a, you know, a funeral look. Uh, apart. Yeah. He's so yeah. boring sometimes, but yeah, no, Lucas Vaz is a good guy. I think maybe just uh, you're too handsome. Maybe he, like, oh, you're no, gringo. too gringo. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: That's what too it was, you know? <laughs> yeah.
3: I, I feel like. Yeah. And Jimmy, Jimmy's been through it, you know, like sometimes you just want to be on the level with these guys and you don't have time to be like, Hey man, I, I played, you know, for yeah, the, yeah. Like I was with Chicharito last week and I was like, Hey man, I played with some of the guys and he was like, cool man. And like gave me like the thumbs up and I was, <laughs> I was trying to like meet him on the level, you know, and be like, Hey, yeah. we played against each other once. And you know, I played with some of your guys on the national team and he just <laughs> gave me like, I was trying to like, Hey, we're, 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 we're part well, yeah, of the same team, you know, we're, we're in yeah, this yeah. together, you know? Yeah, and, and right. like, sometimes you get brushed off and it just reminds you that like, Hey man, you're nothing. Uh, yeah. He, was, but, like, he yeah. was
1: like, he was like, yeah. he was like, okay, California. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
3: <laughs> uh, but, but my, my one take on, on, on Mindy uh, to give some love to, to, to the fullbacks is you could see when a fullback is informed by the distance that they stand from, from the attacker. Right. And he was getting like, a lot of times when you're not informed or you're you're passive or you're a little bit nervous, you're like an extra step off, right? You're blocking crosses from a distance. You're reading the things differently. He was really up like near and close and wanting that physical contact, which is that sort of like I'm going to make it hard for him instead of like, I hope he doesn't make it hard. The attackers don't make it hard for me. And so that's, that is one of the points from like a body language standpoint that I wanted to point out because I know what that's like sometimes to be on an island. And
1: let me ask both of you, let me ask both of you. uh, Heath will just go straight with you. Like, do you think that was a pen on Braithwaite? (laughs) No,
3: I mean, no, no, that, I mean, that if, if, it's so funny. I was going through my head. I was like, okay, if this wasn't El Clasico or if the score wasn't this, if this was two other teams in, a, would that be in the given? same league, would it be given? And you're like, yeah, on a random day, a ref could look at it and be like, well, you know, you made me have to make a decision. The replay. Maybe if it
1: me. was United.
3: Yeah, exactly. I'm like thinking about like which team, yeah, Barcelona could probably get this uh, uh, if anyone were going to get it. Uh, but like, Yeah, that's, it's, it's just a little too, I thought it was a good handling of the situation to brush that off and say, Hey, if you want to get a goal in El Clasico, you got to earn it.
1: Yeah. Jimmy, not, not a penalty.
2: No, Not a chance. I think he was channeling his inner Luis Suarez wearing the number nine shirt for Barcelona (laughs) and trying to make a meal out of nothing. Uh, I I mean, I respect the hustle, but I also, or at least trying, right. There is some, there's, there's an art form to it for sure. He didn't, he didn't pass that test, but then I was on the other hand disappointed that he didn't, Try to just keep the ball in and, and keep the play going, because at that point Madrid were on their back heels. You know, I mean, yeah. they were they were scrambling to try to get in position, and you still had an advantage. So to give that away to try to get a penalty when you didn't even get clipped outside of your own feet, I don't know that 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 part of it disappointed me because he they, I know he was going away from goal and his back was to goal, but but you still had Madrid under the gun a bit.
1: Yeah, and and ended with Dembele hitting the crossbar. The whistle goes unbelievable, and because of that win. Real Madrid go top of La Liga because they have a better head to head than Atleti, uh, you know, temporarily uh, as you listen to this, maybe they get something against Real Betis. But right now, as if you listen to this on a Saturday night, Real Madrid top, Atleti second, Barcelona third. Any final thoughts from a Clásico before we take a break, Jimmy?
2: Uh, I'm just going to say that you have Real Madrid, 66 points, Atletico Madrid. I know they got a game in hand, 66 points, Barcelona, 65 points. The last part of this season is going to be next level in La Liga.
1: Yeah, absolutely amazing, Heath. Yeah, I, I,
2: I don't know. I, like, I what
3: happened to Atletico? Like, it's still in their hands. <laughs> I still think this could be. I, every week you go, well, this could be the motivator. This could be the wake up call. But like, it's not. It's not looking good for them right now. Um, yeah. So I wish them the best of luck. Right <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> they have to win every game. I think at this point they can't afford oh, yeah. to drop anything. Uh, so that's that. Well. That was El Clasico. I hope that you enjoyed it and enjoyed this recap. We're going to take a break. When we come back, some other stuff happened in the Premier League, and one of them was pretty big if you're a Leeds United fan. We'll be right back.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: recap weekend recap. Although of course, plenty of other games happening, but Hey, who cares? We had to talk about El Clasico, but now we move to the premier league because there were some other big games on Saturday, Jimmy Conrad, Hi. Manchester city. We were like, you know, they're going to do their thing. All right. They, they just about beat Borussia Dortmund, but who cares? It's, it's Manchester city. And guess what happened? Marcelo Yelsa 2-1, 10 man leads United, by the way, against Man City. Jimmy, what do you think of that?
2: So first and foremost, I'll give you the stats, and you're going to realize quite quickly that it was incredibly one-sided in favor of Manchester City. And they didn't finish their opportunities and all that. So I'm just going to preface there.
1: Leeds Leeds, right now is like, oh, Jimmy, just come to your, just you. Know, gonna,
2: I, well, I'm going to come to the credit because oh, okay, come on, what, come on, what please, I love please, about Leeds, what I love about Leeds, and, and they drew the first time they played City, so they didn't lose to City this season, is that they make you work for everything. Every single ball, there's a fight for it. And I could see a team like City who just, they're tired. You know, they've played so many games, and they know they're healthy, and we talk about have they peaked yet and all this stuff. But when you play up up against a team and everything is contested, everything they're going to make you run 100 miles an hour for, you have to give your 100% to get there, that wears you down. And they have this belief. Marcel Bielsa just instills this belief that they can always do something. They can always get something if they just want it a little bit more than the other team. I'm sure there's a lot of other philosophies that he's got going there with his team. But it, but it proved itself. It bared fruit today and bore fruit, excuse me, because I can't speak English. And, and you know, fair play. Stuart Dallas had two goals, and they just were alert when they needed to be alert. They almost Manchester City'd Manchester City. Because <laughs> yeah. usually Manchester City is more alert than other teams. When they get tired, that's when they, like, buckle down and, and really, you know, press press their, foot, their feet into your neck. So I can't say enough about what Bielsa's done you know, I do think that Pep Guardiola is, is Marcelo Bielsa's number one fan. It's kind of funny to see them interact. Cause he just, he just looks like a kid meeting Santa Claus for the first time. You know, it's, it's really kind of funny and sweet, but, uh, and I don't even think he cared that he lost to Marcelo Bielsa. He's like, great. All right, cool. I lost him. I lost to my dad, you know? So, uh, so it's kind of funny to see him. He was like big smiles afterwards. It's really weird, but, but, uh, yeah, great performance from Leeds. Uh, they're at 45 points now and, and, uh, definitely safe from the, from the drop. And, now you can just feel that they're going to kick on, right? This is a team that, all right, we established ourselves in the Premier League. We're going to get some more investment in the transfer window over the summer. And then we're going to kick on and, and maybe scrape into Europe next season.
1: I mean, it's a return to the Premier League and they're top off of the table. That's unbelievable as well. And by the way, just to add to your stats, yes, uh, 29 shots for Manchester City, more than 70% possession. But, you know, they couldn't get the job done. Heath Beard's thoughts on, on this win. Uh, Leeds United looking good. Guys, we're forgetting one one part of this. Uh okay. Man
3: City played up a man for the entire Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did say 10
1: like, man leads, United. Yeah, yes. Yeah, like
3: like, like uh, that's pretty incredible that Leeds were able to come out of this with a win. Uh, I was thinking in the game I was it like It
1: wasn't a red by the yeah, way. That's yeah. just ridiculous.
3: Yeah. And I, I was thinking during the game I was like, you know, I I made a comment in recently that was about how oh yeah, often in training you play Five, uh, you play five in the back against seven or sometimes eight and they're just bombing at you and you can go an hour without giving up a goal if you're organized. Right. And then, and, and so I, I use that as an argument to why teams should be able to stay in it. And then when, and I think it was the 76th minute or something like that, when man city scored, it was unbelievable. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Uh, Bernardo Silva lays it off. They finish it. And you're like, front You're like, wow. Okay. This could get really ugly now because down a <laughs> man, they just made it look easy with three, four passes. And then I started to go like, well, that, that, that theory of, like, you should be able to defend against these works against everyone except for, like, a Barcelona or a Real Madrid or a Man City. And then it ended up working out. And, again, same thing. John Stones was the, was trying to be the playmaker for most of the second half. He was literally at the top of the box swinging things around. And I was watching him. And he was like, you know when you watch a ref who can't get out of the way? He was <laughs> like that. He had no idea where to go because you have all these guys comfortable on the ball. And he shouldn't stand in the back because there's no one back there. And they've already got some cover. And he was just drifting forward. And you're like, he has no idea where he should be going right now and was just connecting passes like square passes. And you're like, wow, this uh, certainly seems like he's not supposed to be in that place. But then one pass over like, you know, a through ball. That's a beautiful little through ball with the outside of the foot. And and then, you know, a tap in. And, you know, again, it's it's inconsequential for, for Man City. But it it is an incredible win for Leeds. And one that, you know, if you've ever been any sort of controversy or against up against the wall in a game and you come out like that that can like really create a spark and a belief or just a relief of like finally hard work has showed itself in in a form of uh three points when you should have shouldn't have gotten it
1: yeah i mean ninth place 45 points uh is pretty unbelievable jimmy final thoughts from this game before we discuss the others
2: no, I, I I really liked Heath's point about John Stones. I remember watching it thinking the same thing. Like well, He's trying so hard. Just give it to the other guys. Just give it to the other. We've been there, Heath and I. We've been there like we we fancy ourselves to be a little bit better than we actually were. And, and uh, so we recognize a kindred spirit in John
1: Stones. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, other games, uh, Aston Villa, Liverpool, Liverpool, uh, a much needed victory at Anfield 2-1. Uh, Mohamed Salah. Got that goal and this, and then Ollie. Well, actually, Ollie Watkins opened the scoring there. Uh, and then if Mohamed Salah and then Trent Alexander Arnold in stoppage time to make it to one for Liverpool, and that actually was going to send them well, it did send it to them, uh, to the top four temporarily. And then Christian Pulisic guys, did his thing for Chelsea. Uh, yeah, it was Crystal Palace, but still, right? Uh, pretty good win. Heath, uh, any thoughts on those games?
3: My only thought on on the Chelsea game, uh, well, not even so much the Chelsea game, is more for Pulisic, is I think people underestimate for a player who is out of uh, form in theory, right, or not getting the minutes, how important the international break can be for helping somebody get their confidence back, right? And that's what, the, the at least for the U.S. national team, has always done. I can't speak to other national teams, but for the U.S., these guys can come back in. They feel close to home again. They feel united with, quote-unquote, family. And then they go back to their cutthroat environment of, of club and if you saw Pulisic in, in the national team camp, he looked different again. He looked uh, like you didn't see, like we hadn't seen him in a while um, in, in the Premier League. And then he came back and it seems like he's building on that. So I just wanted to point that out of, of, of just seeing sort of his his body language shift of feel, looking and feeling more confident that he that he pulls off a brace today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to add that Trent Alexander-Arnold is almost the opposite, right? Because he <laughs> didn't get called into the English national team. He had a fantastic performance against Arsenal. Had a bit of a drop off against Liverpool now dealing with more adversity and and stress that I'm sure he's under a lot of pressure and he comes out and has a pretty good game again uh, in the league to help Liverpool get back into it and scored a fantastic game winner there. He needed it. The club needed it, especially at Anfield. And now that they're going to welcome Real Madrid midweek that, you know, that that scoring that first goal in that match could really change how that one ends up. And if Trent Alexander-Arnold's feeling it and then we talk about Mo scoring. He just got on the end of Andy Robertson actually bombing forward and getting a good shot off. If those two guys are bombing forward and, and their opposing teams don't have answers for those guys, ah, man, the Liverpool are very hard to defend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we've talked about Man City. Despite the loss, you know, the, the league is pretty much theirs. Uh, Manchester United, of course, still to play, Leicester City. But the race for fourth is getting very interesting because Chelsea obviously occupy it right now. But Liverpool, 52 points, West Ham still to play, Tottenham still to play, although we don't think it's going to go that far. But still, fourth place, huh? Fourth place looking good there. All right, well, let's keep going because there were so many other games on Saturday. And guys, the United States women's national team facing Sweden, uh, you know, a very big powerhouse in European uh, in the women's game. And they tied 1-0. 1-0 1-0 against Sweden. Sweden opened the scoring in the first half, but Megan Rapinoe got a penalty towards the end. Jimmy Conrad, run us through this one.
2: Yeah, I actually was really impressed with Sweden. They came out and they fought, right? And I don't think... A lot of teams go toe-to-toe physically with the U.S., or if they do, they don't do it very well. And I thought Sweden was up for the task. They scored on a set piece. Uh, Maybe the goalkeeper, Alyssa Nair, you could say she could have done a little bit better. She wasn't getting there, even if she had... She should have just stayed on her line, ultimately, and not even come off the line. That said, I think it it hits the post and go in. I don't think she's saving it anyway. I thought it was a nice test for us. We come back at the end. Megan Rapinoe comes on as a sub. When she comes on the field, the game just changed. You know, she slows everything down a little bit. And when... When you have a player like her that can slow the game down, it then allows runs, purposeful runs to be made because you have someone that can slow. the And then, then your runs, the timing of your runs are on. And uh, I thought that opened up things. And obviously that the team is starting to press. There was a little bit more urgency in their game as as the game wore on. And Kelly O'Hara uh, drew a penalty, a little questionable. It's kind of on the line as she stepped in. The, I don't know. You guys can watch it. I'm obviously going to be biased that it was a penalty. And I'm happy that Megan Rapinoe stepped up and took it and buried it. She has got ice in her veins. So 1-1. One, one. Fair results. I think we got uh, we got 20 shots in total. To Sweden's nine, six on target, and two for them. We had a little bit more possession, but I really like these games. We can't just play teams that we're going to roll over to prepare for the Olympics. We need to go and and face opposing teams, especially away from home in Sweden. We got France next. These are great tests for us. As uh, Vlaco, the the coach decides on on. Who he wants uh to trust ultimately uh, against the biggest and best opponents
1: which uh is a good segue here heath because obviously it was carly lloyd's 300th appearance as well but you know it'll be interesting to see what vladko and does for the olympic squad
3: well again you know uh, the olympics is only 18 on the women's side I uh it's not that many. So yeah. there's not that many spots. And when you think about the national teams traditionally, you're talking about 30 in camp sometimes. 24, 26 is your probably your average number. 23 go to the other major tournaments. Uh men's, I think, is 20 for 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 the men's Olympics, but uh 18. There's not a lot of spots available when you look at when you look at a Carly Lloyd, which people were saying. You know, is she gonna wait another year to, to retire out of the national team and whatever? One, it gets you excited about a Lynn Williams and the future she's going to have. I think she brings a different style of play to this team and and, and more pace on on the flanks, different than a Rapino, who is also, you know, um no spring chicken anymore either. And so it, it's just again, you're you're trying to balance out these teams of like what we need now, what's gonna be the 18? And there's going to be some disappointed women uh going into this Olympics that are that are world cup winners and world cup players that won't make this Olympic team because of the roster size. And so uh, it, it is true competition right now where people are having to prove themselves. All the players are having to prove themselves um, in all of these games and in, in the lead up to the Olympics. And so that was the main thing for me is sort of seeing who is going to establish themselves. And and obviously as they rotate some of these squads into the next game, and then as they go back to their club teams, you know, Rose Lavelle is an example of one who who's not even a starter at man city um, in the recent months and, and is, is back in the lineup, obviously a key member and, and probably my favorite player from the 2019 World Cup. Um, yeah, so so sort of roster selection. I think there's a lot up for grabs right now. And also this sort of changing of the guard of the generations of these players mm-hmm. it will be interesting to see who makes that final team.
1: It will be very interesting. All right, the the final part, and uh, I'll ask the guys' his final thoughts, but NWSO Challenge Cup as well. Uh, Houston Dash, Chicago Red Stars opened it to uh, nil-nil. Portland Thorns, Kansas City was kind of crazy. A little bit of an insane game in this one. Obviously, it was a 2-1 win to Portland Thorns, but Kristen Edmonds got a red card. Morgan Weaver got a red card. If you see this footage, they went at it. I love it. Let's get into it, Jimmy. Uh, NWSL uh, starting off uh, with some fire.
2: Yeah, I'm here for it. I like the the energy and the intensity, and I love seeing players, no matter their gender, that care about what they do and how they do it. And Kansas City's a new team. Even though they have their coach, Hugh Williams, who used to coach the first iteration of an NWSL team in Kansas City, FC KC, They won back-to-back NWSL titles in 14 and 15. They're not the same team. They're kind of not necessarily starting from scratch because they inherited the Utah Royals, but kind of, right? You have to get everybody accustomed to living in Kansas City and moving all the way across. You know, you get a new players, getting all these new draft picks, everything else to kind of almost start like an expansion team. And I feel like they're not not. Completely there as good as a finished product, but they're not too far off. They beat the Orlando pride 1-0 in preseason. So I'm like, all right, Hugh Williams got this team organized and ready to go. And even though the Portland thorns were missing so many players with the women's national team and Christy Sinclair and and Sophia Smith to the Canadian national team, who are two very talented players too. I thought Kansas city was up for it. And yes, they lost two one and then and the thorns got the victory, but I wouldn't sleep on Kansas city this year. And yes, I'm extremely biased because I played there for eight years.
1: <laughs> Love it. And by the way, uh, Heath, any thoughts on NWSO? So as we're taping, by the way, North Carolina courage, three, Washington spirit two, we're in stoppage time right now. of is looking good with this start of the challenge cup.
3: Yeah. You know, Obviously, this. I think this game's at Audi Field, which is their first time playing at Audi Field. I, I, I and it was an opportunity for them. I don't, I'm not a bit, I don't think, uh, Washington are a great team in terms of star power anyway. Um, and so it's a little bit of a disappointment, uh, start, but obviously when you want to kick off, uh, a, a repeat, uh, where there's four red cards, it's, uh, it's a good way to start and get some hype around the game. You know, I would, I would personally pay out of my pocket to, to kick off every, every season of every league. To, if you want to draw in the interest of fans is like, let's get a little drama in this, you know, let's get a little, uh, a little bit of crazy going. And uh, I think it was four, right. Four, four sending offs. Was it? Yeah. I love chippy games. It, 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 you know, when you fact check your four red cards is a lot. It's <laughs> a almost lot. a brawl. They almost brawled. There was almost brawls in that game. Like that's, yeah. that's how you want. Like there was, you know, it's like uh, hitting the pitcher where like, you know, <laughs> benches are going to clear and, and like, that's some serious intensity and, and obviously long off seasons, getting things going again, missing a few of your star players, players wanting to prove themselves, like go in
1: go in a hundred percent. Absolutely. But it's great to see NWSL that you can watch on CBS Sports by the way. Uh, All right. Well, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember there is no weekend recap on Sunday. This is it. This is the one we will be back next week. Champions League coverage. Once again, the second leg of the quarterfinals. We can preview and so much more. Final thoughts, Jimmy Conrad, before we say goodbye.
2: Yes, I just wanted to say that I told you guys to maybe make some time for Eintracht Frankfurt versus Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. That game finished 4-3 to to Eintracht. What a game that was. Also, I was keeping my eye on how Bayern Munich were going to respond after losing to PSG at home in leg one. They gave up a late goal in the 85th minute to draw 1-1 with Union Berlin. That is a shocking result, I think, all things considered. I know they rotated some of their squad resting some of their best players when they go to Paris, but still... That is ridiculous. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Jude Bellingham, who scored his first-ever goal in the Bundesliga. And uh, Engsger Knopf, I think is how you say it. 19-year-old Borussia Dorman just scored his first goal as well. He was a surprise starter against Manchester City in leg one. RB Leipzig won as well. So Bayern's on top, 65 points uh Leipzig 60, Wolfsburg 54, Eintracht 53, Dortmund still 7 points behind that last European spot or Champions League spot in 46 by Leverkusen 43, Union Berlin on 40. It's all cracking off or popping off is what I wanted to say in uh in the Bundesliga.
1: I love it. Champions League spots are going to be very interesting towards the end of the season. Heath Pierce, final thoughts. Uh
3: to stay on my national team rant uh Jude Bellingham's goal came from Gio Reyna. Uh Gio Reyna oh, also he's set up,
1: some up minutes all right. yeah.
3: and 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 he also set up uh, another goal th- through a good like uh, dribble. So uh, again, showing the, the the power of a guy who is in and out of a team to go into somewhere else, kind of gain their confidence back against I don't know if it's lesser players or not, but against their family, and then go back to their club environment and build on it uh, is just cool to see. So a good a, a, another, you know, we've had some low lows in the recent weeks for 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 yanks abroad, and this was this was a decent one.
1: Love it. Love it. The only final thought that I'll say is that I was late to watching uh, Liverpool Villa at home because I was at Home Depot getting plants. And when Ollie Watkins scored, I dropped one of the plants and we had to pay for it. But <laughs> I love
3: that. For
1: another... you, did,
3: you didn't have to. You didn't have to. Oh, you could have ran. You could have ran.
1: Well, I was with my wife, who obviously she's she's a, you know, she wasn't going to let me get away with. it, And she was mad that I was watching the game. Anyway, that's for the day. Jimmy Conrad. Thank you, brother. Thank you, guys. Heath Pierce, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, que Pod. We are on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review, drop a question. It really helps us to grow the show. We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we are on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash. Diego We're in cbssports.com. Plenty more to come next week. There is no weekend recap on Sunday. Remember that, but we have Champions League weekend preview as MLS returns as well. Plenty, plenty of content coming your way. Have a great, great rest of your weekend.